0: Squadcast, the Tag Digital Podcast.
1: Check the mic and make sure it sound right,
2: boys.
0: Hello. Hello, everyone.
1: Oh, hello. Sorry. Oh,
0: hello.
2: Hi. <sighs> That johnny who's this guy sorry was i meant to he's be back.
0: quiet at that point he's back no because i was gonna just be saying hello and everyone was like sitting silently sorry i didn't realize i had to introduce everyone hello i'm steph
2: yes i'm jamie as you all know i am johnny if you've johnny. forgotten who i am he's back i'm back
0: he missed us but he's back how are you
2: yeah i'm good good, I'm good. feeling uh, fresh yeah i mean i've been doing other things
0: no he hasn't he's not he's just been sitting at home in a cupboard (laughs) how are you jamie
1: i'm very well i'm good good as as
0: usual good okay so to start today if you can't already guess it's quickfire and we're going for johnny this time because let's hope johnny's been practicing whilst he's been in that cupboard
2: i was good at it last time i think
0: I just told Jamie that he wasn't very good at quick fire, but I think it was actually you.
2: Yeah, yeah I, I was rubbish originally.
0: Mm-hmm. Never mind, practice makes perfect. Okay.
2: Not practice. Okay.
0: Okay, you're ready. Beach or ski, holiday? Beach. Cooking or baking. Cooking. Train or bus. Train. You were gonna say neither. Yeah. Country or rock. Rock. Okay, this is a this is one for this is one for um, Jamie now Mm-hmm. okay so you've got to tell me what comes to mind when you hear this word <laughs> I've not been very creative yet, cooking
1: cooking spatula
0: <laughs> fair enough beach, sand honeymoon Florida yeah woohoo
1: I'm going on my honeymoon in five weeks today
0: that is finally
1: fun. finally i'm getting married six weeks like maybe today
0: <sighs>
2: really kind of yeah oh
1: God, Se- six, nah, i think it's seven weeks
0: oh, i think like?
2: it's six weeks
0: mm. are you nervous no mm, fair enough that's good yours is on holiday isn't it in the sun
2: it is it's going to be in very Greece. good
0: anyway we better talk a little bit about <laughs> the power of digital squadcast. <laughs> The Tag Digital Podcast. So today we'll chat a bit about the power of digital, I think, because this is a hot topic. So why are people spending more on digital marketing now than they probably were a couple of years ago?
2: I would say, I mean, are you spending more time on your phone than you were a couple of years ago?
0: Mm, Hopefully not, but probably Most likely, yes. Like,
2: if not now, then at least over the course of the last two years, that's felt like Mm -hmm. ten years.
0: It has, hasn't it?
1: Yeah, I think there was just over the pandemic there was a kind of natural shift um, towards digital, mostly because well, people who people weren't like you just said were they were locked indoors for a long period of time. They didn't really go out very much, so the kind of traditional media like direct mail or you know print or billboards that, that 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 wasn't really required because people there's no point in investing in that if people aren't out and about looking at these things so
0: that's very true like with billboards and things like that hadn't actually thought about that i mean obviously people were out but not not half as much
1: yeah yeah and when they were out they were out for a limited period of times to do defined activities like go to the shops where they have very focused mindset. I wonder so, what
0: Times Square looked like. I presume there was still stuff advertised there.
1: Yeah I'd imagine so but I think that just natural mindset of um, you know people people are on their phones more often they are they were very much living in a very digital orientated space so that's why the kind of investment in digital I think really did increase over that period of time and I think since then that kind of habit is just stuck people have seen the kind of benefits of running these digital campaigns versus you know the more traditional like areas or the traditional approaches and then they've gone right that worked so we'll invest more into that or um they'll take budget from what was used to be a traditional kind of budget pot and put it towards digital as well
0: is there a reason why people would kind of it kind of ignoring the pandemic is a reason why people would choose digital over these traditional forms of marketing?
2: Yeah, I think there's there's quite a few key benefits, I suppose, of running digital rather than like a billboard or a newspaper ad or something like that. Um, the fact that you can track it so easily is probably the main one. Um, so you, you can track everything on a website or a lead gem form or anything um, and, really work out what is working whereas a billboard is a lot less i can't think of the right word for it
0: well, trackable it is it yeah, is a lot trackable. less trackable yeah, isn't
2: it it's definitely less measurable yeah
0: um, measurable that's a good word yeah definitely so thinking a bit about paid media which is obviously what we do um It would be good, actually, if someone could give give a bit of an overview of exactly what we do, just to remind our listeners, but it would be good to understand as well, following that, what exactly paid media can deliver for events, so I think sometimes we might take for granted um, understanding all of the objectives of paid media campaigns, um, but maybe some of our listeners who run events themselves might not know exactly what um objectives they can focus on through their paid media campaigns?
1: Sure. So I think um you know paid media can be quite a broad term. Um but obviously when we're referring to it as paid media, we're referring to it as kind of almost paid for online traffic. We obviously operate a- across the platforms that we operate across is based on a what's called a cost per click model, meaning you're paying for every click that somebody carries out after clicking on your ads. So uh, when we're talking about paid media and that aspect across my kind of channels, I obviously operate across the kind of Google side of things. Um, that tends to be a lot of like your paid search ads. So the search ads you see when you search for things across Google, across Microsoft. Uh, but we also run display campaigns as well. So that's like kind of more of a push channel. So pushing ads in front of people. Um, so like across your kind of favorite websites and things like that the main kind of the main kind of hitters over there and that can be done on a kind of awareness level and on a remarketing level um obviously johnny runs a lot of activity across the kind of main social channels as well so i don't know if you've got anything to add to that
2: yeah i mean it's pretty much the same um the same kind of thing we'll run awareness campaigns we'll run optimised for conversions the vast majority of time and um, the way that Bidding works is a little bit different. So you don't pay per click. It's all based on impressions. Uh, or a lot of the time you do have the option uh, to bid on a cost per click basis. But most of the time on Facebook or LinkedIn, it's based on impressions. Um, but yeah, it's it's the same kind of thing. It's just trying to get in front of your audience um, when they're at all stages of the funnel.
0: So thinking about all of that and taking that into consideration. Um, So we can deliver visitor leads, sponsor leads, exhibitor leads, what else can we offer our clients?
1: Yeah so those are the kind of main things people come to us for is to kind of get more exhibitors in via like XProm, visitors and delegates via Visprom and Delprom and sponsors via Specs but we also do a lot of kind of data building for uh, for clients and whether they've got like a an agenda they want to kind of get eyes in front of and get downloads for or whether they've got a kind of good piece of content that they they want to promote to people who have just been at the event for example, um, that's another kind of area that we can focus on is, is, is getting like people in at a kind of softer conversion point, kind of building a kind of brand aware audience that you can kind of approach throughout the year as opposed to just that these kind of stints throughout the year. Uh, where we're trying to get visitors in or exhibitors in um, it's just building a kind of really kind of strong audience throughout, throughout the year I would say
0: Squadcast The Tag Digital Podcast So building on what you just said there actually Jamie should campaigns only be running then the 12 weeks before an event or is that that's not a good idea um, It's not
1: that it's not a good idea obviously that's a very important part of all of our clients kind of event timeline but um, it does really uh, we would sort of recommend a kind of more of a 365 approach so an always on strategy Um, so it kind of goes uh, the reason we're suggesting this now more than ever is because obviously um, data is becoming a lot more valuable it's a lot harder to get kind of remarketing data going forward um, with the retirement of cookies for example so making sure that you're constantly building up audiences that you can um, deliver ads to throughout the year is, is really important. So um, you kinda of might wonder what is a 365 strategy for an events company. Um, you could kind of similar to what I've already said, you can be pushing out kind of your products, your reports, trying to build kind of discussion um within your audience. Um, just making sure that you're staying relevant to your audience throughout the year. Um kind of striking with the irons hot straight after your event. Um, and things like that so um, yeah I would always kind of suggest that people consider this 365 approach especially with the retirement of cookies for example like I just said.
0: I do think a lot of our clients kind of pre-pandemic maybe thought yeah we'll just kind of do the campaigns running up to the event and not really think about the bigger picture and that the campaigns really should be running throughout the year whether that's promoting content and just kind of keeping their event front of mind I think it is really important um so yeah
2: I Um, also think a lot's changed during the pandemic as well across social for example when Apple rolled out the iOS update that I've spoken about too many times um we lost all of the remarketing audiences we kind of lost a lot of that because if somebody does have an Apple device and they opt out of tracking your remarketing audience could potentially go down by 50% if, if that's the amount of people who have opted out. Um, so it's important to focus on them lead gen campaigns, try and bring in data. Like Jamie says, straight after the, um, the event has finished, you can really push data there, whether it's a, a post-show kind of report or, or what happened at the event. So you could push that out to potential exhibitors or sponsors for next year maybe if it's a, a delegate kind of thing like a conference you can push that kind of the agenda or videos of what happened at the event you can push that content to potential visitors for next year Um so that's important and then with the on-platform lead gen campaigns across facebook or linkedin um you could theoretically just have them running throughout the year with different bits of content different videos of of content that happened at the event
1: yeah um i think um one of the other good things that's come out of the back of the pandemic because we're kind of discussing that as well is a lot of events are now kind of that hybrid approach and there is a lot of video content and even if it is a physical event there is a lot of the all the, the sessions tend to be recorded now so that is a really kind of key piece of content that I think a lot of people are maybe not pushing hard enough, is that all this video's there and you can market it throughout the year. It's still going to be relevant, um, like on-demand content. So once you've finished your main portion of the event, why not run a on-demand campaign? And that's a really good way to get users back on site and engaging with your content um, kind of all year round, because that content's not really going to go out of date until maybe next year for example.
0: Does that kind of content tend to be gated or not?
1: Um, I would probably say yes. I I mean not gated to a very heavy extent. I think a lot of people a lot of event organisers will want something in return for it so whether that be an email, something like soft like that, that, that's probably enough for them I'd suggest because they want the data. Data is really important like I said so that's one kind of good way to to get that is offering maybe just a small portion of the on-demand content if you want all of it for example the whole event's worth then maybe they would have to pay for it if it's a paid for event but um yeah i would always always recommend something like that's a very quick and easy kind of way to get to get, get data in
0: there's loads of good ideas there what are your thoughts on hybrid events going forward kind of slightly off topic but just out of interest
2: I think some clients, like before I come on to my thoughts, some clients are really for hybrid events um, and others aren't. I think it depends on whether the hybrid aspect of the event is cannibalizing people actually showing up. So if you've got an exhibition, like a huge exhibition hall booked, kind of that's attached to a conference, say, you really can't cannibalize the in person aspect by everybody just going online to view the conference content because then you're gonna lose the, the exhibition part of the event. So I think that's something that you need to juggle when you're thinking about whether you do want to go hybrid. Um, one thing that we've had a few times recently is the virtual aspect only being open to people maybe outside of the, the location where the event's taking place. Um, especially if it's a, a re- more of a regional event in terms of the exhibition because then you're in no danger of of people just signing up for the virtual event and not paying for like a delegate pass to a conference and then going into your exhibition hall.
0: Yeah, that's actually a really good idea doing that because obviously you want to make it accessible to as many people as possible but at the same time you've got to think get a balance mm. like you say.
1: Yeah, I do think you need to balance it. I think you need to almost not offer the exact same event experience that you would get from Physically attending, mm-hmm. but you can still offer benefits of you'll get X, Y, and Z uh, sessions. But you need to be able to like you'll get so much if you attend physically. You and it's yeah. I definitely think there needs to be some sort of balance.
0: Squadcast, the tag digital podcast. Thinking more specifically about about event promotion, what should an event marketer's timeline look like? So I think Jamie, you touched upon this. Can you kind of give any more detail to someone who might be listening who is wondering kind of where to begin with their 365 campaigns?
1: Um, yeah, well, I guess thinking more specifically about the event promotion side of things, like you said, if you're starting to just purely want to think about promoting your event, you want to think firstly about how to get exhibitors in. Um, and one of the main kind of problems we sometimes face with clients is they brief in their ex-prom, so their exhibitor promotion campaigns too soon or too um, close to the event itself and doesn't allow much time to get these people in. Um, So I would think if you're thinking about exhibitor promotion, I would start maybe six to ten months out, uh, gain some really good awareness for your event and get those exhibitor leads in. People who are looking to exhibit at these events want plenty of time to be able to plan, as you know from your own experience, so um, it's good to kind of get these people in, get the sales team enough time to follow up on these leads as well. Uh, it takes quite a while to get these people in and, and book their stands. So I'd say for the from like six to ten months out from your event date, you want to really be focusing on exhibitor promotion. And then you want to then change your focus, I'd say, towards how do I get visitors in? Because there's the conversion period between, the or the thought process between getting from a visitor side of thing is a lot shorter. Um, So I would start your VisProm promotion maybe three to four months out from your event. Um, That tends to be the more optimal period of time. So um, yeah, I don't know if Johnny's got anything to add here because I know I'm just rambling on.
2: Yeah, I think with visitor promotion, VisProm, that three to four months kind of runtime of the campaigns is really important because it gives us time um, to build up them or to work on them audience in the middle of the funnel and the top of the funnel to get new people into remarketing audiences to try and build up search volume because it's important to remember the activity that we do across for example a top of the funnel Facebook audience should hopefully, if, if we're successful there, lead to more search volume for the campaigns that we're running across Google as well. So it's important to have that top of the funnel, middle of the funnel activity. Um, Can you just go as,
0: into a little bit more yeah. detail about the funnel, just for anyone who's not aware of kind of top of the funnel, bottom you, of the funnel, et cetera?
2: Yeah, so top of the funnel should be people who aren't aware of the event already. Um, so on Facebook, for example, that would be... Um, people in like the audience that we'd use would be interest-based audience maybe or job titles that'd be the same across LinkedIn if we had an event on a certain industry then we'd focus on targeting people within that industry to make them aware that this event is taking place and then that should hopefully I mean theoretically if, if it's a roofing event or something like that for example If we're targeting people with roofing type job titles, they might remember in two months, they saw an ad for a roofing event um, a while ago, and they might go to Google and search for roofing event or roofing conference or something like that. And that's when they might click on one of Jamie's ads. They might not convert straight away, but then they're in our remarketing audiences for all chat platform so that would be someone going from the top of the funnel where they weren't aware of the event to then maybe searching for one of jamie's keywords in the more middle or bottom of the of the funnel then ended up in our remarketing audiences and then hopefully they'd go on to get a conference pass or a free visitor registration or something like that
0: jamie being the google expert if anyone's wondering what johnny means by jamie's ad apologies
2: (laughs) Jamie or any of our other, other Google experts.
0: <laughs> yeah, cool, thanks. Um, so did you have anything else to add on that before we move on?
1: On the funnel or on... No, on just
0: on what the event marketer's timeline should look like.
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously we're discussing the three to four months being for your focus on VizProm, but I think the most important period of that would be the the last two weeks of those three to four months. That's where we see the kind of majority of our budget being spent. It's also... We we expect the majority of, of registrations to come through and um, people are very last minute uh, by nature, we always leave things to the last minute, um, so we always expect or kind of prepare for that uplift and we always make sure that we hold back enough budget for this kind of massive registration push period that we know tends to happen across the majority of the events that we run. It doesn't matter what industry it is, people still behave the same way. I can
0: imagine clients worry a lot about that it's well as someone who's kind of organized our own events I'm just uh waiting for the moment when all the registrations come flooding in but it does happen that way doesn't it and we have evidence of that through all our campaigns
1: yeah for sure it's one of we've had a few conversations like Johnny and myself recently with a few of like our newer clients who maybe haven't worked with us before and we've said oh you know don't worry the registrations will improve within the last two weeks and they're like, how do you know that? And we just we just know. But also um, if
0: you think about yourself and you're going to buy a ticket for an event, especially at the moment, you kind of like, I'm, I'll probably hold off until I know exactly what I'm doing uh, or like even maybe the day before you're like, oh, actually I have free time tomorrow so I'm going to go to whichever, the roofing expo. I think
2: especially if, if it's something that is a paid-for event usually we'd see them events be the ones where people would buy the tickets a little bit further out because they might need to travel there or something but for paid events that are in big cities say if something's in london you've now got people waiting just to make sure that they would pass all of the criteria to get in to make sure that they're healthy enough to get into mm-hmm. an event or something like that
1: yeah i think the main thing i would just say is just don't panic if registrations aren't at target like one month um uh, and then because i think a lot of our clients are reporting to us that 90 percent of not just not just bookings from our traffic just in general bookings um coming from all different kind of mediums 90 percent of those bookings have come in the last week um as of the last couple of months so i think that's just something that we need to be wary of as well um and one other thing within that period it's just really good that we are or it's really important that we re-engage with people who haven't yet converted that's another kind of key thing that we do within two weeks out from the event we make sure that we are utilizing remarketing to its fullest we're reaching out to people who have been on the website um not converted we can then re-engage with them with messaging that's like don't forget to get your ticket event starts in x number of days for example so that's another really good way to make the most out of your kind of timeline
0: cool and then once the events happened do you think it's worth running campaigns post-event?
2: Yeah, I think that's kind of what I spoke about before, about having that that content available straight after the show to have some lead gen campaigns, um, so that's important. It doesn't need to be lead gen that's taking place on the platforms. It doesn't need to be an on-platform Facebook or LinkedIn lead gen form. It could be, like I said before, some gated content. Um, a lot of the time we'll have like, uh on demand aspect even if the show wasn't hybrid originally, you could have on demand content afterwards for people that couldn't make it um so I think that's really important to make sure that you don't stop marketing as soon as the event's over you need to keep it rolling um on into the next year
1: yeah i would I would probably suggest whilst your event is running you really dig into the kind of data of like what what content are people at your event engaging with the most that's probably going to be what people are the most interested in within the industry and then you can then take that forward as soon as your event has finished you want to re-engage with the people who have been on the site people who haven't actually attended the event get them in to look at the content that was most popular even put it down into like a blog post or something check out our most popular content from this year's event put a a gate on it like johnny said and then we can take it from there
0: thank you very much guys so thanks for joining us in this week's episode of the tag digital squadcast and i will chat to you guys soon
1: cheers Steph. thanks
0: squadcast the tag digital podcast listen to the squadcast on apple podcasts or spotify